This is Science Friday. I'm Ira Flato. Later in the hour, an exit interview with Anthony Fauci, stepping down from his role at the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, and a film about a plucky Martian rover and the team that got it there. But first, science was on the ballot this week. People voted on health care, climate change infrastructure, conservation, and perhaps the most motivational topic of them all, abortion access. So how did these issues play out. Here with his analysis and other science stories of the week is Sikhan Akpan, health and science editor at WNYC based in New York. Welcome back to Science Friday. Hey, thanks for having me again. Of course. Nice to have you. Okay, let's start with the abortion issue, perhaps the biggest health care issue this year. What kind of measures were on the ballot this year and what happened? Yeah, the, you know, the Supreme Court overturned federal protections for abortion this summer. And to quote Michael Jordan, the voters took that personally. Um, ballot measures in Vermont, Michigan, and California passed to enshrine the right to abortion in their state constitutions, while voters in GOP-leaning Kentucky and Montana rejected state laws that would have essentially made it impossible to get an abortion. And, you know, and so both of those latter states still have have other restrictions on abortion access. So that made this week's result pretty surprising and was sort of symptomatic of a national pattern we saw in this election. So it's it doesn't look like reproductive rights is going to go away, that issue. No, I don't think so. You know, a few national exit polls show that abortion was second only to inflation in terms of importance to voters, especially among young voters. Democrats campaigned really heavily on the Supreme Court's decision and seemed to work. And that's not a huge surprise. You know, reproductive rights have sort of seen bipartisan support in recent years, in part because it's a human rights issue, but also because people really don't like it when leaders take away their their health care. But all that said, some down ballot results could imperil abortion in some states. So Republicans swept state Supreme Court elections in Ohio and Florida, which could have a big impact on abortion cases there going forward. Hmm. Interesting. Another health topic on the ballot was tobacco, but I understand it's not your conventional smokes, right? No, yeah. We're talking about flavored tobacco products. So in California voted to to ban those products, and it follows similar bans in Massachusetts, New York, New Jersey, and also Rhode Island. But California is the largest state to institute a ban like this, which could have a big sway on potential similar bans on a federal level, just because California has such a huge impact on the economy and also the decision making nationally. And the FDA currently is reviewing um, a policy to ban menthol cigarettes, as well as flavored cigars. What's the goal with banning flavored tobacco? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, part of the issue is that flavored tobacco products are really enticing to young people. And I think tobacco companies recognize that. It's a great way to get new customers. But that obviously creates a whole lot of issues in terms of you know cancer down the line. And you, you, know, you really don't want young people starting on tobacco. You really don't want anybody starting on tobacco, given all of the major health issues it causes. Yeah. All right, let's change gears and talk about climate change on the ballot. How could uh, this election decide the fate of climate policy in the U.S.? Yeah, you know, we're still waiting on some election tallies for the House and also for the Senate. If we see a split Congress, I don't think we'll see much movement on climate and environment protections on the federal level. And I think that's obviously also the case if it's if both chambers are, are controlled by the GOP. But Rebecca Lieber at Vox has a pretty great breakdown on how the results in state elections could impact things. So Minnesota and Michigan gained control of their state legislatures and also their governor's mansions. 
And so both of those places could pass new laws around requirements for electric cars. She also points out that voters prevented GOP supermajorities in Wisconsin, Montana, and North Carolina, which could prevent moves against climate action in those states. And Oregon's election of Democrat Tina Kotek will also keep measures to cut greenhouse gas emissions on track. But if there if there are major changes to climate policy in the in the coming years, it'll probably be through the Supreme Court, given that it's it's likely that we're going to have a split Congress. Right. Right. Let's talk about other climate policy news. COP27 currently taking place in Egypt. What is that and how is it looking? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a little rocky. So, you know, ahead of the event, climate activist Greta Thunberg said she wasn't attending because of greenwashing. Basically, it feels like COP27 has become a place where leaders and companies act like they're serious about climate action without really doing anything major or adhering to the commitments that they've made. Um, each day of the conference, it sort of seems like it ends with a, a call from smaller nations and island nations um, to tell richer nations to start paying for the harms of their carbon pollution. This is a common plea, isn't it? We've heard this over and over again. We've we've heard it over and over, especially over the past few years. Um, but the you know richer nations just don't seem to be adhering to those commitments, you know, but we've also seen this year that some of those big players didn't even attend, right? So the heads of state for China and India, two major polluters aren't there. The same goes for Canada and Australia, who are also pretty big polluters. Protests have also broken out over the host country, Egypt, which is being called out for human rights violations in the treatment of Ala Abdul Fattah, who is an imprisoned activist there, who's on hunger strike. He's on a hunger strike, right? Yeah, exactly. He's on hunger strike and he's also now on a water strike. Oh, why am I not surprised to hear any of these things <laughs> that you're saying? You know, it nothing really changes. It, it, yeah, it's frustrating to hear this. It's frustrating. I think after the the Paris Accords, you know, we really thought, okay, now countries are uniting, companies are uniting. We're going to start to see some major changes, some major pressure on on companies and countries to s- slow their carbon pollution and to stop their carbon pollution. But we haven't. We haven't really seen that that pay out. And like, you know, a lot of advocates and activists are sort of saying, like, maybe the changes are just going to have to come on the local level. And that'll sort of apply pressure up the ladder until we, we start seeing some some big changes or or or, un, or until large corporations, which I think are beginning to realize that uh, that green is good and, and profitable. Yeah. But right? in, but in a serious way, you know, I think they're. There are a lot of corporations who say, hey, we're cutting back on our, say we're cutting back on how much travel we do via airplanes. So that way we reduce our carbon footprint. But when you really look under the hood, they're still polluting a lot. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Talk talk is cheap. Yeah, exactly. And leaders are, you know, leaders of these nations are the only ones who can really apply bans, apply, say like, hey, your company can't really operate in our in our borders like this anymore. But we're really not seeing like that type of policy being put forward. All right. Let's talk about some other news that uh, is kind of interesting this week. We're not out of the woods yet in hurricane season. Hurricane Nicole just hit Florida and, and this tropical storm now moving up the East Coast. This is pretty late in the season, is it not, Seekin? Totally. You know, that's exactly right. And Andrea Thompson at Scientific American has a great breakdown of this. So there have only been 10 tropical storms and three hurricanes that have struck 
the U.S. during November, going back to 1851. Wow. But we've, yeah, exactly. If what we've seen in recent years, we're, we're starting to get more and more. So it's kind of looking like we're getting more and more November storms. You know, studies that kind of look at the the length of the hurricane season, they've seen to trend at sort of like the front end of the season with hurricanes appearing earlier. But yeah, now we're starting to see like these these November storms, a lot of November rain, if you will. Yeah, and and, and hurricanes get their power from warming water, warm water, like a ninety degree water, right? And I guess the water is staying warmer because of climate change now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, hurricanes form because you know the Atlantic Ocean becomes like a hot soup of water, and that moisture just rises, and it creates clouds, and it creates storms, and like that's how we get these these big cyclones. So what these patterns tell us is that the ocean is hotter for longer during the year. And it's, yeah, just another kind of scary sign of, of climate change. Mm, yeah, you, you can't fool with Mother Nature on this one. Uh, let, let's talk more about Florida getting hit with this double whammy, and uh, we're wishing them well. Uh, and let's move on to some good news. Uh, a toddler with a rare genetic disorder called Pompeii disease, I never heard of that, was successfully treated while she was in utero. That sounds amazing. What's going on there? Yeah, for, if people want to see more details on this story, it's a it's a really um, it's a heartening story by Aaron Garcia de Jesus at Science News. But basically, there's this disease called Pompe disease, which is it's it's pretty rare. Only about you know one out of every like 138,000 babies born globally will will have something like this, and it's an enzyme deficiency, which basically means that um, you know the fetus doesn't have a protein that the cells need to live, to survive. What what doctors and scientists did was they they caught the disease after the mother was already pregnant, right? And then they started to infuse this enzyme into her. And then, then you know, that would just like filter into the fetus and it, and it kept the pregnancy alive. It kept the pregnancy going. You know, now that the kid's born, she's 16 months old, she's really healthy. Um, there's a really cute picture of her at Science News. Um, but yeah, she has to get weekly infusions of this of this protein, but it, you know, it's going to it's going to keep her alive. Yeah, this could be like a test case, right, for other treatments. Yeah, exactly. Like if you don't have genetic screening, you know, these diseases can just sort of pop up from from time to time. So and I know that there have been some other conditions that have, have been treated in this way. There was a, a sweating disorder um, and also a blood disorder that that received similar treatments and, and they were good. So it'll be interesting to see if in utero treatments can expand going forward. Lastly, I want to talk about a new study this week that shows a weird, funny behavior of a critter we love so much here on this program, the octopus. Well, actually, octopus is throwing things at each other. Tell me about that. Yeah, so researchers from Alaska Pacific University, they, they headed down to Australia, to Jervis Bay, and they tossed a bunch of cameras into the water just to like record octopus behavior. And they found this really random behavior where the octopuses were sort of throwing things at each other. <laughs> <laughs> they curl them up like a frisbee and re release it like a frisbee with their arm like that yeah they were throwing like they were throwing debris they were throwing f food leftovers it's hard to say why they were doing this like the researchers don't really have any clues on the why octopus were doing it but they were able they're they're pretty sure that the octopuses are throwing things at each other because the target of the thrower would often duck. So it does seem like a pretty, a pretty intentional maneuver. So we'll have to see if the Seattle Mariners, if they need 
uh, closing pitcher. Uh, maybe they should they should check the seas for these these octopi, the octopuses, the octopitchers. Sikhan, <laughs> <laughs> always great to have you. Always good stuff you bring us. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, welcome. Sikhan Akpan, a health and science editor at WNYC based in New York City.